News Hounds from Queen City Nerve is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. And welcome to episode 44 of Queen City Nerves News Hounds podcast. I am Ryan Pitkin. As always, I'm here with Justin, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mock, mocking me early. Mm-hmm. And we have, this is our first time in about a year, I want to say, having a fellow journalist on. This was uh, supposed to be a... No. Have we had someone? Oh, we had... Um, Jordan Green. Jordan Green was recent. And Joe was... That was probably a year ago. Yeah. When we had Joe, it was, he was one of our first uh, pandemic Zoom interviews. Anyway, we have David Hodges here with WBTV. How's it going, David? It's going pretty well. I appreciate the invite. And if, if you didn't have Joe Bruno on your podcast yet, then you're not doing Charlotte yeah. podcast. Wouldn't right? be, wouldn't be News Hounds. <laughs> and for the record, we did have him on News Hounds before he was host of Newsmakers. <laughs> but yeah, there's been, uh, this is the time to do it, to have someone like yourself who's been really doing some great investigative reporting in, in local government reporting around Charlotte because there's just no shortage of topics to talk about. We're going to hit them all. How much time do we got? Right, exactly. <laughs> I have a heart out. That's why I'm going to, that's exactly why I'm going to go ahead and just jump into it. We actually, right before recording, which is Thursday, we're recording on Thursday, the mayor actually held a sort of halfway through the year press conference to talk about some of the things, just hot topics around. There was no real big announcements, but I we were actually holding a meeting. Our meeting got pushed back to two, so I didn't get to see it. So you are a reporter on the scene. What, <laughs> what went down in the press conference? Yeah, so, so I'll give some context to it first. She said that she's going to start doing these regularly about once a month, which I know all of us and, and media and and the reporting really appreciate to be able to have some access with her. She didn't have any major announcements, kind of did some typical, oh, we're changing our uh, yard waste policy soon, so make sure you don't have the plastic bags. But we did have the chance to ask her some questions uh, regarding the Transformational Mobility Network, what her faith is in that, Bank of America Stadium, the elections, whether she plans on running for re-election, which no surprise here, she's pretty non-committal to at this point. She said, ask her on December 6th at 12 p.m., which is the exact cutoff for when she can uh, make that decision at this point. Right. So it just gave us an opportunity to ask her some questions on some of the mm-hmm. bigger things that are happening across the city. What are your thoughts on whether you, we started to talk about this off the mic and I said, no, let's save this because <laughs> this is a, an important point. But what are your thoughts on her uh, willingness to run? Because like I had mentioned, she's super popular. Um, Republicans don't even want to run against her. Uh, they, they don't see the point in it because they're not going to win. But she's also, as you mentioned, you watch these city council meetings and she is just tired. She's a tired maternal figure, mother hen, just looking over these folks who are just bickering. And we're going to get more into that later, just the, the, the way these people are at each other's throats. But I mean, are you thinking... You see it every Monday like I do, their city council meetings. Do you think she'll run again? I mean, there's definitely frustration there, and you can see it really build almost week after week with the kind of antics she has to put up with with some council members. Just recently on Monday, you had uh, what basically turned into a verbal fight between Councilman Tark Bakari and Councilman Malcolm Graham, and and Bakari saying some pretty pointed words about the faces that Malcolm Graham is making. Right. right afterwards, you saw Mayor Lyles walk over to Tark Bakari, kind of get right in his face, kind of clap in his face before walking away. (laughs) And that's not even out of the norm for the things that happen there. So you have to wonder just how long she's going to be able to put up with this exactly. I mean, she does have 
a plan of what she wants to accomplish. Anytime you listen to her talk, she talks about affordable housing. She talks about bringing jobs to Charlotte and she talks about getting people back and forth from those jobs of so transportation. I think she really wants to accomplish those things, but is she gonna be able to do that in the time that she has right. and the patience that she has? And I definitely have heard from people about whether there are gonna be other people who are interested in running for mayor. So would there be some competition? It's hard to imagine, like you're saying, with how popular she is that someone would decide to run against her right now, but you never know. I think the exact thing that Bakari needs more of is older black women clapping in his face. Right. <laughs> Something. <laughs> that he, he, settles, started, he got that, it on Monday. <laughs> yeah. That settles people down. Monday, absolutely. Monday uh, seemed quicker for her. Like, I'm not, she came in the meetings. I'm not going to take this. Yeah. Because it was immediate where he goes, well, you should see the faces he's been making to me when I talk. Oh, that's disrespectful. And she was immediate. All right, we're taking five minutes. And she got right <laughs> yeah. up out of her chair. Well, and it's interesting to me, too, because the last meeting when they actually had the vote on the 2040 plan, they kind of kept it somewhat calm based on everything that happened so far. And she had indicated she sent an email to them saying, we really want to stay on topic. This is how we're going to run the meeting. You know, we're not even a meeting and a half later. And we kind of right. got back down that rabbit hole. <laughs> right. So how long can that actually last? Yeah. And she I think she does a really great job of it for someone. I, I was always making a big point of letting people know, you know, she pushed for the RNC. So it was maybe not during the RNC time i forget what it was that brought this out of me the most when i was trying to let people know like the mayor in this city manager sort of what's the word i'm looking for this system yeah. of government that we have locally the mayor doesn't have a whole lot of say in a whole lot of things it's sort of more of a figurehead thing but the way that she is now it's a shame that she has to do it but the way that she has sort of acted as this maternal figure of and that may be sexist to even say maternal but this leader uh, in these rooms when people start to get worked up, it seems like at the end of every meeting, she gives a really like moving speech um, and she's able to sort of like put things in perspective. So it would, you know, it would be a shame to see her get so burnt out on it, but who knows? She might even have higher aspirations. Mm -hmm. Well, she's doing, she's doing a lot behind the scenes too. I mean, mm -hmm. we just had the vote uh, the other day on when to exactly hold these elections uh, because of the split and when at large, the mayoral races could happen as well as the district races. And that was kind of a big Democrat versus Republican thing. But there were some Democrats on city council where you're wondering, well, might they vote to have that election earlier to kind of get back at the at large candidates who voted the way they didn't want on the 2040 plan? And at least from what I'm told, she was working behind the scenes mm -hmm. to try and make sure that everyone, at least the Democrats, were in line on that. So even though she's just got this figurehead role, she's moving and pushing a lot of things to make sure it happens right. at least the way she wants. Yeah, and she, that's something I wanted to mention because uh, in Monday's meeting, there was a talk of, and this is just, this is almost like a, a formality the way it came off, but I was actually a little surprised. They were just sort of like, okay, well, what's coming out of this, the delayed elections? They have to wait for redistricting because there's so many different new people in Charlotte, and you can't hold a district election until that redistricting happens, regardless of at-large a mayor. And once you get past that, then it was just sort of like a formality to say, all right, now the mayor puts together a committee to do the redistricting itself. That sort of surprised me that it wasn't in a council where everybody has something to say about everything, that everyone was like, yep, she's got this, that nobody pushed back on that, not Driggs or Tarek, or Tarek is it Tariq or Tarek? I, I, go, I say Tark. Tark. He's never okay. corrected me. Gotcha. So I, call him, uh, 
I call him an asshole. <laughs> so in this committee, like, I don't know, does that surprise you that everyone's willing to just let her have that confidence the committee? In right. I mean, so what we've seen historically in the committees, because there's been, at least in the time that I've been here, which I mentioned to you is about two and a half years, mm-hmm. uh, you have definitely seen some shaking up of committees and council members getting taken off them or put on to certain ones. And if you kind of go too far outside the bounds of what the city is working toward, you can easily find your way off of that committee. You know, this is still politics one way or another. So I think the goal is to say, the, the less you say ahead of time, mm-hmm. the better chance you have at getting in a place to actually say something that might actually end up mattering. Mm-hmm. I mean, getting on a committee is obviously important, especially for the Republicans on city council, because they might have a pretty rough road ahead of them to get reelected after the redistricting. Right. Um, so yeah, sure the less you say now, the better. Yeah, I'm sure since there's only two of them, they'll probably be both a part of that committee. Oh, we'll have to see. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm interested. I think that's something that nobody really mentioned after the last meeting, but I, I'm interested to see where it goes. So just in terms of, I think this plays well into the whole discussion around relationships around uh, between city council members, because this was the beginning of a reporting process, or this was the root, I guess, of a reporting process that WPTV has been doing around there, which is sort of almost laughable now. I think it was either the 2019 retreat or 2020 retreat at which council paid tens of thousands of dollars to have outside company, consultancy company come in and do team building to get these folks sort of back on the same page with each other, at least in working <laughs> working relationships. And WBTV had filed a request for some of the paperwork around that, just in terms of like exercises, team building exercises, some of the responses from council members, things like that. And they were denied. Tell, tell me a little bit more about that request and how that I think it was this week. Yeah, the we lawsuit was filed. Just just filed the lawsuit mm-hmm. on Tuesday. It's been something we had been working on for a while. I mean, typically, you know, you're asking for these records. They're saying no, giving you reasons. It's a lot of back and forth. But, you know, kind of going back to the origin story a little bit at that retreat you had mentioned, I think it was just in 2020, you had Ernst and Young come in and kind of give this presentation about this is what it takes to be a great team. And I was like, this is kind of interesting. And some of my sources even said, yeah, did you know they actually paid for that? And I was like, well, that makes it extremely interesting. Mm-hmm. And it was about $46,000 that they ended up paying. They tried to talk with some of the council members. Some of them participated, some of them didn't, but they had them fill out these surveys, which at the time I was told they filled out some questions about their job performance and the performance of some of their colleagues on council, which I find extremely interesting because of everything we've just been yeah, talking about. Exactly. I they, have, read this. they have such a hard time getting along, you know, and you know, I definitely had some people ask me, you know, what is kind of what is the newsworthiness of that to me? But we see it on a weekly basis that when they have a difficult time getting along, it just takes longer to accomplish these things. And the whole entire point of this contract was to make them work effectively together, which I think a lot of people have questions about right now. So we know these surveys exist and we asked for them from the city of Charlotte. They said that they're not in their possession and that they're currently in the possession of Ernst & Young, the company that was doing this consulting work to us that is not a reasonable you know, reason to not give us these records. Mm. Literally in the contract, it says that anything that Ernst & Young produces is in the possession and owned by the city of Charlotte. So the fact that they don't have them just doesn't hold water for us. And beyond that, this is a document that council members, elected officials that you and I vote for or vote against are filling out. There's literally that there's nothing that is less of a public record Mm -hmm, (laughs) or more of a public record (laughs) than that. So we really want to get our hands on that. And we think it's important for transparency Mm -hmm. uh, that we ultimately hope we end up winning that. Yeah. 
Do you know any like timeline or when you expect to? This is my first lawsuit. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> a couple of years. Yeah. It, it could it could be a bit. Um, yeah. You know, we just filed. Like I said, we just filed the complaint on Tuesday, so uh, we're just kind of going to go through the process. Mm-hmm. But I promise you, we'll keep updating on it as we get different responses. You know, well, one of the things that was really interesting to us in this is that we got some emails between the city and Ernst and Young. And one of the council members filled out a survey that had some of these answers they didn't really want to collect because it could be a little risque. Mm -hmm. And the city and EY agree that those should be destroyed. And that's a huge issue for us, too. I mean, you should never be destroying records. You can't be destroying records at all. It's literally the last thing you should do. Yeah, as a governing entity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I look forward to seeing that and we'll, we'll get some more extra time now with this council. So maybe we'll see it before. (laughs) Oh yeah. And it'll definitely take time. I've been suing the city for, it's been a year now. Year I've been in a lawsuit with the city. Yeah, it's a slow moving process. A a lot of waiting. Yeah. And there has been more attention paid lately. I don't, I can't remember off the top of my head if it was WBTV or or who, whom it was that did the reporting around sort of the city's tendency to take a long time that on me. That was <laughs> you. Okay. Um, yeah. If, if you see some reporting on public records and transparency with the city, mm-hmm. there's a good chance. Right. I did it. I mean, is this something that you have, have you always been a, a FOIA guy? I mean, yeah. different journalists have different approaches and things and you strike me as, you know, a records. I mean, to, to me, that's how you find out what's happening mm-hmm. uh, behind the closed doors. Right. I mean, you know, even even the city council members will tell you that they really only get to hear what city staffers want them to hear. And those are the people who are working with them on a pretty regular basis to try and figure out the direction that the city is going. So filing these records requests for emails, communications, contracts is really the way that you find out what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, in the story that you mentioned, I had been waiting for, I can't even remember what the specific emails were because I've been waiting for all of these different emails for months, if not years. And so one thing that the city does do well is put out an entire list of all the records requests that are outstanding. So I literally just went in there and looked at everyone who had requested different emails and was able to pretty easily track that some of these take forever. And clearly there's specific departments like economic development underneath Tracy Dodson that just barely ever release emails. If you sir, if you requested emails with the keyword David Tepper, literally none of those emails have been released. So there's kind of <laughs> seems to be a pattern potentially, and it's worth calling them out on. Justin well, they're, they're, are they not, yeah. are they not, they, I mean, they're legally required to fulfill those records requests. As promptly as possible. Yeah, as promptly as possible, because I get into that with CMPD all the time. Mm. They even considered, I don't even know if I should be saying this right now, but they, <laughs> they had discussions. I, I did a records request on just the names of these officers that were in a video that I filmed from the protests last year. And it took them, the first guy forwarded it off to internal affairs. And they were just like, we don't have any, we don't have any paperwork on this incident. And so he just didn't answer me for three months. Then I followed up with another guy who was just like, that should have never been sent to internal affairs. You weren't looking for disciplinary action. You were just trying to get their names. Should have went to their supervisor. So he went and got the names. And then he came back to me and said, we thought about telling you that we couldn't figure out who they were just so that you wouldn't publish their names. And I was like, <laughs> you'd, have made the, you'd have made the story completely different. Well, the fact that you can't identify your officers, but really you would have just been lying to me mm-hmm. and then there would have been a lawsuit. <laughs> well, and that's, I mean, I, and this is important, I think, for even just your everyday resident, because eventually at some point or another, you might find yourself in a situation where you are upset at the government <laughs> where you live, right? And you're like, wow, I should probably file a public records request for this. Just don't take no for an answer. Yeah, you know, no. you need to keep asking. You need 
to keep emailing. And even when they say no, especially for a reporter like you or me, that's a story in of itself. Yeah. I mean, if they're denying yeah. access to those records. Because why right. is it no? Right. Exactly. That's, oh, and if you ask why, then they have to start really, <laughs> oh, oh, man. Yeah. Well, I, I forwarded that off to the correct person. I'll let you know what I hear back. Yeah, please. Well, we're still waiting on an email request from them from October. Oh, yeah. Put uh, in one for October from June of last year. Mm-hmm. You know who's really good? Uh, the county. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, they gave me like that. they gave me seven thousand files <laughs> of emails well, that I requested for keywords around the North End encampment. Right, we that's the that one down. we were talking about before you came in. That yeah. he's got a similar request. Oh yeah. So, yeah, I don't want to read them. You want just you just want the file. <laughs> I don't think I got seven thousand of them. Maybe I, mine was a little bit more narrow than yours. Oh, but I, I went wide. <laughs> I Justin picked, will just start <laughs> dropping words. I picked everything. every name, every keyword. I was doing like paraphrasing of the businesses' names that owns the plots of land. So I've got everything if it has to do with that. And they're all just sitting in folders waiting to be read. I know. I've definitely had those before where you get in and you're like, oh my goodness, where's, <laughs> yeah. where's the time? Right. I have a family. Where do I They start? need me. <laughs> right. Some, first of all, they're all in PDFs, yeah. so Uh-oh. I can't like take them and put Uh-oh. them in a document and search for terms or anything oh, you like that. Ask for the enhanced PDF. Don't t- uh, don't take yeah. it if it's a, just say give it back to me enhanced. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Oh well, I, one day I'll read them. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know. It seems we'll, do, we'll follow up in a year. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a story that's in the past now. So, uh, well, you know, yeah, but never then, know. Well, we had the comments the other night about what to do with people who uh, help the homeless. I mean, you know, this is going right, to constantly oh, yeah. be something that's in, in the news. And so seeing how the county and the city, you know, going back on news that's not relevant, but remember the city and county had a really difficult time collaborating and, and oh, we did yeah. a whole report on the communications that broke down. Do we think this is not going to happen again at some point? Absolutely. I mean, September is just two months from now, which is when the uh, term ends on those hotels that they've got mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. staying in. And I assume that there's going to be some major massive break, unless they just continuously extend it. I, I assume that same breakdown that you're just talking about yeah. is going to happen again. Absolutely. Yeah, eventually. So do you think uh, with WBDV, you guys have the... If not you, this is your first time, but mm. Nick and whomever is always suing somebody for something. <laughs> yeah. You guys want to sue CMPD for us since you guys have the experience? <laughs> Get us we, those emails. <laughs> well, we've got we've got a nice uh, setup with you've our attorneys. A, you do a fantastic job. Have to give them a shout out for always uh, working really well with us. That's a, I mean, that's the way you really got to go. You just have a full docket. I hate, <laughs> I hate lawyers. <laughs> well, when they're working with you, they're your best friend. Yeah, <laughs> I like I like my lawyers that I that I use for what I'm doing. But other people's lawyers, I hate them. <laughs> we mentioned uh, at the top the some of the talk, or at least a piece of the press conference today was about the Transformational Mobility Network. That's another story that you broke just last week in terms of you know, some of the some of the cost estimates being much higher than what they were presented during public meetings. Uh, the original total, and for what people don't know, a very short, very long story short is that this is a, a network of different projects that have to do with transit. And this goes all the way from the different light rail projects are the ones getting all the attention, but it all goes all the way to road infrastructure and, and greenways and bike lanes, mm-hmm. things like that. Even the bus lanes, are those dead forever? Are, 
after uh, that pilot no, that program? Envision, Envision Charlotte is in there, and then the bus, the bus rapid transit's still in there okay. too. So I there's know the, still a plan, even though that was the pilot bus popular. lanes in Central. Yeah. Uh, really, those are dead. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that is. No, that means so, nothing. <laughs> so this whole long, large network. I think the original timeline was what to 2030 before this. Yeah, past they were week? they were saying they were going to get it all done in 10 years, which yeah. was you know now yeah clearly not possible. And they, they had said that it was going to be between eight and 12 billion dollars. And then you found emails stating that between city officials, city staff members, mm-hmm. that it was they knew it was going to be more like twenty billion. And then this most recent council meeting, they did another presentation where it was somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Where do you do you buy what they're selling here? Because they've had a lot of different excuses and a lot of different beating around the bush, I guess. So I'll buy a little bit of it. I mean, they've brought in a consultant to go through some of these numbers. The, the difference between the number that you mentioned that I reported in the story and the number that the city manager and their consultants put out there is how much it's going to cost to pay for this thing long term. Mm-hmm. So, you know, $13.5 billion to build it, great. But even members on this task force that was looking into this mobility network were asking, how much does it cost to operate this thing? You know, how much does it cost to finance this? Because it's not like the city has billions of dollars sitting around they can just spend. They're going to have to borrow money like anyone who's, you know, borrowing money to buy a house in order to pay for it. And that's where we got the number 20 billion dollars from that was sent in the city email. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sources I've talked to say that it's important to have that number when you're talking about projects that are this huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the example the city manager gave, I understand, although it was a little interesting, he mentioned that they had built a police station several years back for $26 million, mm-hmm. but they ended up paying $35 million for it. But you would still categorize it as a $26 million police station. Mm-hmm. You know, I think taxpayers would say, well, I spent $35 million on it. Right. Yes. I, I get it. You know, when you're getting a mortgage for your house, it's how much you pay or how much you bought the house for, not how much you end up paying and financing. But nonetheless, you know, these are taxpayer dollars. And there have been questions in the past about the city's ability to look at these costs effectively, like the Cross Charlotte Trail. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was one of the reasons we looked into this. I think the reason it came up first was because in February, the city manager said, oh, we're looking at some different cost estimates for the Cross Charlotte Trail and, you know, or not the Cross Charlotte Trail, Transformational Mobility right. Network. And I was like, well, that's interesting. And that's when we filed the record request. And that took months and months and months to finally get those emails. Mm-hmm. And some of what's in those emails too is clearly disagreements between city staffers about what information they should show not only to council, but the towns that they need their support because they've got projects that they want paid for as well. And I think that that kind of decreases the credibility that they need a lot right now from towns that might not be in support of this project. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, one thing that struck me during this most recent meeting and in, in, in all the most recent talks about it is now the city's big plan for funding this, at least on their end, to match up with federal grants and things like that. Is car a, wash. Yes, car wash. <laughs> I thought it was lemonade sale. Marshall complex. <laughs> is a one cent sales tax mm-hmm. right, uh, increase to be voted on by, by voters. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we'll talk in a second about some of these time delays because now it's saying that that won't even happen until 2023. But what struck me the most was that they are sort of talking about this as if it's a foregone conclusion. Far from it. Yeah. And we just seen, we just saw this arts funding tax on the County side of things fail pretty convincingly. And it was one fourth, I think of the, of a cent. Mm-hmm. Is that just sort of already their beginning of a marketing campaign is just to talk about it as if it's already passed because it seems to me like they are just moving forward without knowing whether this even stands a chance on a referendum. Well, they 
when they were moving before, before mm-hmm. it got so much bad feedback, that they really had to pump the brakes on it mm-hmm. and kind of restart. And a lot of that had to do with the election timing too. And the census, like you mentioned before, but their real new marketing strategy is this whole economic impact study that they've had the Charlotte Regional Business Alliance and, and some other entities do to basically sell this as a, here's how much money and economic growth, this huge mobility plan with light rails and buses, you know, greenways uh, would bring to Charlotte. And here's how much we'd be losing out on if we didn't do that. So they're going to take that, which I think is coming out later this summer, and then try and push it to the council, the surrounding towns like Huntersville, which has been, you know, extremely antagonistic of this plan and say, you know, please support this. But before we even get to the ballot, they have to go to the General Assembly and say, hey, will you please allow us to get this one cent sales tax so that we can even put on the ballot in the first place? And, you know, before, you know, originally with the RNC, when the mayor pushed for it to come here, there was probably enough goodwill to make something like that happen. But then the RNC didn't really come here. It was kind of like a little lunch session, basically. So does that goodwill still exist? I don't even think that the one Republican who, you know, represents Mecklenburg County is on board. And ultimately, you're going to need Republicans to support putting this on the ballot in Raleigh. So they have to clear that hurdle. Mm -hmm. And then they've got to get to the hurdle of getting voters to approve it. I haven't done any polling or anything, but you mentioned that the sales tax uh, for the quarter cent with the arts did not pass. You know, at least some voters I talked to at the time maybe had a little bit more appetite for something that was transit related, Mm -hmm. but you still got a really long way to go before you even get to the voters. I mean, they can't really blame the council for the RNC happening as lackadaisically as it did. (laughs) The pandemic pandemic is politics, yes. You know, there's just just a, I mean, you know, there's a long-term budding war between the city of Charlotte and Mm -hmm. Raleigh. And, uh, you know, overcoming that to help Charlotte get anything is not something that is done easily. You know, what are you going to kind of offer in return? I don't know what that is yet. Right. But uh, I do think that talking about it like it's already a thing does work Mm -hmm. because even when uh, Tariq said what he said about arresting people that give to homeless community members, my idiot sister, who's probably listening to this right now, hey, uh, (laughs) she was like, how do you feel about the fact that they're making it illegal? Like, it is happening. They're making it illegal to do that. And I was like, oh, I can't even slap myself in the head. I hit myself in the bill of my hat. I think about this when I tweet stuff all the time. I'm like, I hope people know I'm tweeting about what they're discussing. Uh, uh, Well, (laughs) no, because they don't. (laughs) No, my one tweet Spoken into law. Yeah. My one tweet went viral about that specifically, part right. of a much larger yeah. thread, and yet it was it was literally for days on end, people yeah. saying, Charlotte is going to legal or illegalize or criminalize help direct aid for the homeless. And I'm, it's like, I, I couldn't answer all those people right. who kept saying that over and over. I like illegalize. Right. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, right. Before you know it, national media outlets are asking you how many people are in jail for yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> giving help to the homeless. I want to sort of wrap up that conversation about the mobility network around the fact of all these delays. So, Mm -hmm. you know, let's say we get through that and we get through that and this hoop and that hoop. Yeah. Now, a big part of what just happened on this past Monday uh, at the meeting was a sort of a reality check in terms of timelines. And that was actually what I saw the most discussion around was seeing, and I think this ties into the whether it passes on the referendum, seeing the timeline for some of these projects, the latest out going to be finished in 1941, I think. I mean, wow, hey, we're killing it over here. 2041. Back, Back in time. 
think it's, I think it's 2048. Oh, wow. Well, we got to okay. double check, but yeah. Maybe 2041 be in the last starting time. That I don't be, know. That might be right, yeah. But I, I feel like that hurts the case for yeah. when you say, oh, look at all this money this is going to bring in. Like if residents feel like they're not going to be around or, you know, they, their kids are going to be grown or whatever it is. I mean, it's the same thing we see with, say, climate change. If yeah. you feel like you're not going to see the benefits and you just are sort of like, Ugh. Well, I think that's just, that's just a dumb fucking way to it think is. about anything. Sure. Especially that. I'm not saying. I mean, you use you used an example that it's just like, if you don't care because you're not going to see the impacts that you are, are stupid. Right. But I mean, like for this, I mean, 28 years, that's not that long, in right. my opinion. For the people planning it, who are probably 28 years older than me, yeah, that is a long time. <laughs> but, I mean, like, the whole goal is to re- revitalize the city in the future. So does it really matter how long it takes? Like, well, are, but are you going to take every line on the mobility network every week? Like, right. No. No, yeah. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, yeah, yes, but the people who might see it, like the pushed out timelines might see it a different way are the ones who are later on the timeline. So, you know, the way that I kind of look at it is that, and, you know, granted, there's no way physically or financially possible for them to start all these at the same time and get them done. There's just not the resources, uh, both construction or money. But by having these phase timelines, you know, certain areas of town are going to get service before other areas of town. Certain towns, Huntersville, Davidson, you know, all those different places are going to get access before others. So you're kind of picking winners and losers and even doing it that way. So will people who are way farther back on the timeline feel like they're not really getting the access that they want? Should theirs be moved up? I'm sure there's going to be some negotiation about that mm-hmm. as this moves forward. But yeah, yeah. that sounds pretty petty to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, well, that, that, well I mean, that's how they want to, you know, frame it is that this is yeah. that, you know, Janet Labar from CRBA went on and said, this is the biggest economic impact thing that could ever happen in the state of North Carolina right. or that will ever in happen the in the state of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So you almost have to, to do it. And that's the way that the city is pushing it. But, you know, nonetheless, you've got like up in Huntersville, which has been promised the red line for 20 years. They just don't really have the credibility there with the city and say, yeah, we'll trust you mm-hmm. for that that will happen. Sure. Yeah. You know? That makes more sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Put some context to it. Yeah. I have to get Stacy back on here. <laughs> All right, cool. We're going to take a quick little break, and there's still, I feel like we just covered so much, and there's still plenty of things to talk about that have happened in this first year. Funny. I mean, first half of the year. We'll be right back to chat about those. Carolina personalized orthopedic care goes beyond my appointment. Accessible, comprehensive, and compassionate. It's my care, my way. Schedule your appointment today at orthocarolina.com. Get ready. Broadway is returning to Charlotte. Blumenthal Performing Arts has an incredible selection of upcoming hits, including the returns of Hamilton and Wicked. Plus, the long-awaited Charlotte debut of Disney's Frozen and many more fan-favorite musicals and plays. Season tickets are on sale now at BlumenthalArts.org slash BPA Broadway. Wash your hands, avoid sick people, and touching your face. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. Brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. At Ortho Carolina, my personalized orthopedic care feels like home. 
because video visits bring my provider to me. Ortho Carolina, my care, my way. Schedule your appointment today at orthocarolina.com. And yeah, we're back. We're back. Yeah, we're back. <laughs> so if you want to do it, I mean, you can leave. I mean, they're listening. <laughs> I never said they weren't. I just don't know what else am I supposed to say. Can I, can I try? Yes. Yeah. We're back. There we go. All right. That's in depth. <laughs> um, so we've got plenty of other, uh, plenty of other topics that have come up in the last half a year and even in the last week. And I'll start with one of the newer stories that has been some really great reporting by your colleague, Nick Oshner. I don't know how close you are to this story, but I know that you, you must be aware of it. And that is some of these allegations happening coming out of Myers Park High School. There have been multiple sexual assault allegations that have taken place. And I don't know the timeline. I know they were pre-2016. They uh, happened? Uh, so, some of them. Um, okay. And then some of them more recently. I mean, the timeline is you have to follow it pretty closely because mm. our first story was in 2015. And mm. then we've kind of started oh, updating gotcha. as more people have come forward. Oh, yeah, more, even more are coming out. Yeah, so I don't, right. think, I don't think there's a timeline on this. I think it's yeah. just what happens there. Happened. So it, it, what it really revolves around is um, obviously the alleged assaults uh, against students, former students, and then sort of what makes it worse, definitely not worse in itself, but what makes it worse is sort of the reaction or lack thereof from school leadership. People are saying that this has been covered up. It's not been handled well by any school resource officer, by any principal, by any leader whatsoever. Now, this you said this has been a years-long process yeah. in terms of reporting? So, or? so the, you know, this is, and again, this is all Nick Auctioner's reporting. Mm. He's done a fantastic job on this, but his original story with a student from Myers Park was in, I think it was 2015. And that's when a, you know, a lawsuit was filed. And it's only been recently that more people have filed lawsuits and come forward with their stories. And, you know, as more of these stories have aired, it's given courage to these brave women to come forward and share their stories. Because what's so sad is there's so many similarities between all of them. Yeah. And that's the thing is some of these young women were out there and actually came out publicly with their names and everything during a rally this week outside of Myers Park. And they spoke publicly and, and openly about it. And it's just a super brave thing to do. And this one woman, this one woman's testimony, I guess you could call it about, you know, pointing at the gym where this happened. And this is sort of where her life changed. It's just sort of heartbreaking to hear. Now, one thing I noticed in the latest piece, and this is a big part of it, because I wanted to, you know, sort of not that you have all the answers by any means, but sort of wanted to dig into what went wrong here. And I think a glaring problem was the fact that they did not have a Title IX counselor at the school at the time of uh, some of these assaults. Mandatory? That's something I didn't read in the in the piece. Is that something? I'll have to go. I'll have to check and see if okay. we can do some follow up reporting on mm -hmm. that. But I, I think your point is is a hundred percent right, mm -hmm. and that the similarities that are most disturbing about this is that these you know women are going to talk with administrators at the school who are asking them questions about oh did did you ask for this or did you you know lead him on in some way were you in a relationship and those are just completely inappropriate questions mm -hmm. to be asking these women and it's not just a single woman I, I would really 
really encourage, this will kind of be my first plug of our station, but going on our website, WBTV, and looking at the story we did on On Your Side Tonight, where we literally just stacked up these women's responses about what happened and the similarities and the things that they were told by the administrators would scare any parent um, mm-hmm. if they have a daughter or son who could potentially be in the situation. And to me, that is what is really glaring. And mm-hmm. I think your point about having someone on campus who can actually address these things and and listen to these students when they are assaulted can make a huge difference in their safety and the safety of others. Right. Because apparently they assigned one in 2016, which to me, the most obvious thing is that that was in yeah. response to the 2015 lawsuit. I just don't know what the rules are. I know there was not a there was not anything I was aware of as a Title IX counselor when I was in school. I no. graduated in 04 from CMS, but I wasn't sure if that's a, looks like Justin might be on the job trying to figure yeah, it out. Can you do the investigating? Yes. But, but it, I mean, I think that, that that should be on any campus. I mean, yeah, absolutely. You know, and hopefully, if anything comes out of this, that does. The, but that, go ahead. Some, sorry. No, no. Ex- I mean, that's exactly the point. Is that if if you know we can, and and that's another issue. Is that it's required. It is. It, it is. is required. So I, you know, th- there's more questions there about you know why, why not all there. these people were able to talk uh, with these counselors mm-hmm. and, and you know kind of see what happens and, and and that's not you know i'm sure that's not always a fail safe either and that right. these, these things can still happen i mean you know you can put these policies in place and unfortunately these tragedies still occur but at least trying to do something to mm-hmm. have a better environment for women who are trying to report these things is extremely important right because the obvious the obvious goal is to not have it happen in the first place mm-hmm. as opposed to fix the letting it fall through the cracks or the cover-ups but to not have it happen and i know that that's a big thing that some these young women are starting this uh, movement might not be the right word, but really calling for specifics at Myers Park and around CMS in terms of sex ed and, and education around what harassment and what sort what assault and all of this is, as opposed to just, you know, getting a Title IX counselor in every school and things like that. Which is, you know, this is unfortunately not the first time we're hearing about these kinds of situations. I mean, sure. it was only a couple of years ago that we had the Me Too movement start up. You know, we just had, you know, the news about Bill Cosby being released. I mean, this is not that new info. <laughs> this is not new information that this is happening to young women in this country. Uh, so, you know, what their demands are are probably 100% justified. And, you know, one of the things that I know Nick has been struggling with, and I hope the students can get some success importantly on this, is getting a legitimate response from CMS on this. I think their first real response was after the protest and saying that they support, mm-hmm. you know, like women's ability. Ago, right. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, we've been reporting on this for, for a little while now. So there needs to be some more yeah. words and more importantly, some more actions. There was a very defensive, I totally forgot about this until you just said that, yeah. very long Facebook post that was posted and then Facebook deleted. deleted very quickly. Yes. Yeah. Right. I mean, like the worst best. It was, the it worst. was awesome. That's, yeah. that's why it was screenshotted so, so quickly by yes. many different people. Yeah. Exactly, because they knew, looking right at it, oh, this isn't going to stay up very long. Yeah. My definitely least favorite thing about that entire situation was listening to the accounts of the administrators doing the... Uh, Victim blaming and yeah. saying, you know, how much trouble you can get in for falsifying a rape allegation, this, mm-hmm. this, and that. And it's just like, I know that progressivism has to work its way into wealthy communities, but it sounds like they're just still hanging back 20 years ago. I mean, I don't think there's anything worse you could say to a woman who's reporting that than, than that. 
Yeah. Which is mm-hmm. what some of them have, have told us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was present, if a tiny bit under the surface, but definitely present in that in that long Facebook post that got deleted yeah. and saying, well, actually, they weren't raped. They were sexually assaulted or something like that. And it was doesn't just, matter what word you use. Right. You can say assault, were, rape, spaceship, doesn't matter. It was very de- defensive and you just probably bad. <laughs> probably don't. Probably don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, and I'll just close it with, I promise you, we'll continue to do reporting on that. And mm-hmm. there's going to be more responses right. from CMS. Of it. And I do. What's going to suck, it, what's going to be real bad is when somebody comes forward about it being a teacher. That happens too. And to to your point of earlier of not pushing too hard, please plug away at WBTV because you guys have been doing great. And uh, all these times that I say you're reporting on and this reporting on, just everyone know WBTV is what are we... Uh, I, I just don't want to be one of those insufferable guests who's no, just yeah. like, oh, here's my product. No, you should I don't get that paid as for clicks, uh, FYI. <laughs> so this is just sort of, I have a couple other things I want to run down that are a little bit older, like, you know, the comp plan that we've mm-hmm. uh, discussed oh, a little bit of. Do we have to talk about the comp plan? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't want to do it in the same way. No. Exactly. They voted, it's over. We've only just exactly. begun. <laughs> yes, that's what I wanted to talk about. For the about. love of God. But I just was like wondering your opinion on what do you think out of all these things that we're touching on and, and so plenty of stories that we, we haven't as to like what is the most impactful what is the biggest news story to come out of charlotte that is i don't know how to really even judge that by how many people it affects by how much it impacts our city as a whole like out of these first six months i mean there's been so much happening what would you would you say it is the comp plan would you say it's the elections getting delayed no, I, think would, it's, I think it's the mobility network 100 okay. percent. and and you know that at the beginning of the year, that was where I was really putting the focus of, of my coverage and trying to look into that. You know, we're talking about the most taxpayer dollars are going to be spent on anything. You're talking about a way that people are going to be able to commute everywhere. You're talking about something that people are saying is going to change the face of the city. So to me, that's the really important one. It's kind of become eventually a 2022 story. What year, Wayne? Yeah, that's yes. right. <laughs> um, I thought but, we were in 1940. Yeah. So you're good. Uh, I mean, there's still a lot more conversations to happen on, it, happen on it this year. But to me, that is what is going to be the the biggest story in Charlotte. The comp plan is certainly important, you know, and I think you've got people who voted for it and against it, developers and, you know, advocates saying that it was important and they needed to pass it. I think it's a, it's a big step for the city. But to me, the mobility network is going to be the really, really big thing. Mm-hmm. There's so many different ways I want to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Just to even touch on, as far as the... All right. Well, I'll, I'll go a little bit more specific then just to just to put you on the spot some more. But when you look at this mobility plan, what part of it do you think is that is that part that makes it the most impactful story and whether or not it, it can, you know, whether or not it moves forward. Do you mean in terms of? In terms of the piece of it. I mean, I, the light rail, whether how accessible the light rail is and, and meaning that by where it goes and where it doesn't right. is obviously, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say obviously. The, well, I think, but no, that's that's a good point mm-hmm. because I think the light rail is kind of the shiny, sexy right. part of it that will get a lot of people's attention. Mm-hmm. You know, with the Silver Line, they've done a $50 million design study. And I think if I remember the math correctly, it's going to cost $8 billion total which is a whole lot of money. So that's kind of something that will get a whole lot of attention. But then, you know, you can't discount the buses, even with the pilot lanes and how unpopular that was, because 
tons of people move across on those all the right. time and they have big plans to try and make that more efficient and more effective and provide more service. Beyond um, even the lanes, it's about trying yeah. to redesign the way, the sort of yeah. spoken wheel way. Did you see that, that tweet is... about how just messed up the way oh, the yeah. city of Charlotte is designed? Right, yeah. I, I mean, I felt that in my soul, right. but when I saw it, it, that it was validated. It was an international study. Do you know what he's yeah. talking about? International study about cities, hundred cities all yeah, across the globe, from Paris to Charlotte and everywhere you can think of and it was it was very just graphic like how well organized the yeah. streets and the planning the grids, is whether you're a grid oh, or yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Charlotte's like yeah, yeah. a spider web yeah. of kind know, of craziness I know what you're talking about yeah. 100 out of 100 be, yeah. Yeah. yeah it should be more gridded and right. right yeah and I think that's one of the reasons why the mobility plan is is so mm-hmm. important is that you right. need to be able to I mean it just takes you too long to drive to so many places mm-hmm. in this city there's not a time that I get on 77 North and there's not backup mm-hmm. and you know you need to be able to provide public transit but you know are they gonna be able to pay for it are they gonna be able to get it over the line in defense of the city yes just the physical city not the people in it (laughs) um (laughs) nobody nobody planned for charlotte to become a booming metropolis back in the 80s when it was being developed and stuff or i guess a little bit earlier than that so the streets were more of just like a a, a nice big town right. near some mm-hmm. other small towns. So they didn't like, you know, like take New York, for example, which, which was laid out the way that it is back in the, you know, 1800, the early 1800s and stuff like that. Like, I right. just. Right. You're not, you're not to, thinking about yeah, how it's going to be this, you know, financial to, hub. To look at a city that, yeah, just recently became a financial hub in, in, in aspects of how it has been developed. Mm-hmm. Looking at studies like that, like, of course, Charlotte sucks for the grittedness <laughs> of what it is because it wasn't built for that. And now we're growing and trying to plan ways to put stuff over top of those spider webs so right. they just cut straight across. So, you know. No, yeah. Quit giving it such a hard time. I love this city. I have loved living here, you mm-hmm. know. But I think a good part about being an American is you get to complain about it too and yeah. try to yeah. make things change. Oh, I love complaining about yeah. this place. I hate it so much. I want to move. <laughs> This is who I started a newspaper that's hyper local with. He's ready to go. Hey, <laughs> the lead reporter trying to get out. John Loftus from Dig Boston moved to fucking Phoenix, Arizona. Runs the paper from out there. So okay, we're gonna have to sit and talk. It sounds like an HR conversation. Yeah. I, um, I can't afford to move. Let's talk. Yeah. <laughs> Every time somebody does move, like our recent digital editor, Justice, like, how do you just move? How do you just get up and where do you go? How do you do that? <laughs> um, I know how much where, she was making. Where did you come from, uh, David, when you moved here two and a half years ago? Yeah, so the TV news reporter carousel is kind of this little journey that takes you all across the country. Right. And my last job was in uh, Fort Myers, Naples, Florida, which is extremely gridded on a totally other note. And I was doing investigative reporting down there, pretty similar to what I was doing here. First job was in Burlington, Vermont, which is the polar oh, wow. opposite, both politically yeah. and climate, yeah. <laughs> to Fort Myers, Florida. But I originally grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Is Fort Naples near St. Augustine it, at, at all? So I, I have so no. Jacksonville super near St. Augustine. Okay. Go down there all the time for like fishing, and a lot of Jaguars players live and party down there. I love that city. It's awesome. I was just reading about part of a book that I'm reading about Roanoke, 
I mean, and never really realized how St. Augustine was the oldest city in it is the, the oldest. country. It doesn't get enough publicity for right. being so old. I think because it's not an it's not an American city. Yeah, it was Spanish, it was, it was, and that's it how it Spanish. became the oldest. Right, but the fort's still there. It got a great brewery scene. Right. Um, and fishing, is the so. fort yet been renovated into a brewery? That's <laughs> no. the question. Uh, fort brew. I think there's probably <laughs> there's probably some like you know rezoning documents yeah. out there for it somewhere. <laughs> um, one thing that's not a huge story, but it, it was mentioned today at the cr- press conference, so I wanted to bring it up because. Mm-hmm. It, it, I was here for the construction of North Lake Mall, and we now all you're here saw for the destruction of North right. Lake that's Lake what I was going to ask yeah. about because there's also this week people have been talking a little bit about the foreclosure at Epicenter. We've right. talked Epicenter to death on this podcast. We're not going there. Anymore. What? <laughs> what? We you talked the comp plan to death on this. I'll talk about the Epicenter. With you. <laughs> I skipped the comp plan. You didn't notice? <laughs> We're not talking about the. I was going to say I was dreading. I was sweating. I don't know if you saw the beads. I got so stuck on it. I was just I like, mean, for, for, just so everyone knows, we're going to have to report more on the comp plan <laughs> yes. later, but we don't have they, time. About yeah, they'll be coming up with the unified development yeah. ordinance, and that's going to be actually putting the comp plan into practice. I thought they already had a be, UFO that's or everyone whatever. Is. That's all that people need to know right now. That's we'll the UFO report. <laughs> but now they are, there's also, this is a little bit older news, but there is a foreclosure happening at North Lake Mall, which I grew up as a little kid going to East, East Lind. Uh, I almost called it East Lake. Ice skating and all that. And then I saw, obviously, the the destruction of Eastland. And then I was around for the actual building of North Lake. And like, I grew up in right by North Lake mall before Mm -hmm. it was, it was just woods before all of it. And it's just weird to me to be like, am I getting that old where I see the construction of something and then the downfall of it? Um, when mall. it was the hot big I know, thing a mall and, seems, yeah, it a seemed like mall. such a big deal when it was yeah. being built and everybody had such high hopes. Well, I have, I have friends, just re- not to interrupt your story, no, but I've got, friend, I've got friends here who grew up here and, they, and the stories they tell about going to the Eastland Mall mm-hmm. and the skate rink and just how it was like the huge big thing it was to do. my favorite and as what, a kid and then it went I, away and then yeah. and now I'm just like you mean that the farmer's market skate ring right yeah. Yeah. that's still cool <laughs> still cool spot but well that's know. what I wanted to pitch as an idea to whomever's out there listening what because I'm hearing that I also read while I was looking into this 30 33% of malls are expected to close by 2030 mm. can we turn them into skate parks ooh That'd be too big. No, way too big. What about um? You know what I really enjoy though? Affordable housing. Uh, that's that's an actual legitimate good idea. Thank you. Because Um, thank you for recognizing that I did not mean that as legitimate. (laughs) (laughs) I I was I was talking about the idea that was in my head that I was about to spit out. Not your also legitimate idea, but is if you ever gone to those uh, indoor go kart tracks? Those things are awesome. Nobody needs affordable housing. I need go kart tracks. A couple weeks ago, (laughs) up by Concord Mills, another. Mall. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Another one I spent almost all of my childhood at that one. Fair. I worked at the FYE arcade. Uh, I stole from the FYE, just the regular one. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Sorry to FYE. No, there's Liz. a statute of limitations yes. on this. No, I'm really enjoying that as the transplant. I just love people who actually have stories from right. growing up here. Yeah. It means so much to me. <laughs> the old Jillian's. It's now what? Dave and Buster's. Yeah, we oh. talked about this before. Oh. I almost feel like it was something after Jillian's. Yeah, Dave and Buster's. Buster's. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy that they just foreclose a mall. Like, they don't just have somebody lined up to have the mall. North Lake is not quite there yet. It's not an Eastland situation. They're still, the future is unclear, but they're losing a lot of people. I can't imagine COVID. COVID must have killed 
just the whole, you know, they lost a lot of tenants. Yeah, it did, during that, to, that. It did that to everything. Sure. <laughs> but I mean, malls are really built around. There's no options for you. No. They were just closed, closed. And if it's not, I mean, I think that's the issue. I mean, look at how long it's taken something for, you know, Eastland. It's just an inconvenient space. Right. <laughs> if it's yeah. not yeah. for that. So what do you, True. What do, you do? The thing is, is you don't have to tear down that structure you can reuse right. it now i'm not saying turn it into a food hall i'm saying turn it into something that's beneficial to community members mm-hmm. like affordable housing mm-hmm. right or my go, favorite or thing go-karts. my favorite thing that the mayor said recently which was silly to me because you know i reported on the home again foundation and they had wanted to buy land that was literally right across the street from where they built those eight houses and they only need 17 to $20 million to house 550 people and 370 people are experiencing chronic homelessness in Mecklenburg County is she was just like, we really need to find a place or like find, find, a partner. find, find a partner, like an outside partner to come in and help us identify plots of land. And then so we can buy them and then work on a new plan to like build affordable housing on it, which to me just means that they're going to partner with a developer to build some multi-use space that's got like 15% affordable housing units in it. Mm-hmm. But it's like you just... We gave it now, to see, you. Now I'm getting mad. Now, <laughs> I went from I this was silly to I'm, I'm upset that you would just completely overlook people doing what you just asked for. Like we just got to hammer at home. And, you know, she's got a lot of stuff on her plate. So if we just keep emailing her like but the police other, or like anyone else we have the <laughs> Right. But every other council member is in the know right. about what those people are doing because mm-hmm. I sent all them emails. Right. Mm-hmm. Got to keep following up, man. Yeah, just don't take Journalism's all about the follow-up. I don't have time to follow up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy. Another thing I'm interested in your thoughts about, both of your thoughts about, because, because I, I think this is, well, I'm not going to go into to your thoughts. You yeah, want before I thoughts. even Before I even no, mention the thing, but these recent raises for city council and mayor, I know... I just thought it felt a little bit like a no-brainer because it only puts them on par with where the county commissioners are. And But I thought it really brought up an interesting debate because Tarek fought it so hard. He was really the only one who, like, yeah. I think Ed Driggs voted against it, but yeah. Tarek was the one who's publicly, like, he kept bringing it up over and over as He's if it was some sort of corrupt. If I remember yeah. correctly, Driggs ended up voting in favor of the budget, even oh, if that's he was right, against because that. Because he said, yeah, you know, you're right, you're right. So I've um, got thoughts on it. You yeah. want to go first? Uh, uh, <laughs> no, why don't you? you? You got the thoughts. <laughs> I absolutely thoughts. think that they should get raises. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's just... It's a systemic issue that obviously people who are well off and don't need that salary take that position. And as Tariq says, this is a sacrifice. Well, just you using that term makes it seem like governing is something that's burdensome to you. Mm -hmm. So why do it? And like, think about, think about Braxton, for example, who his other job is cameraman at the checkers and the Hornets basketball games. And like, and he's got the kids that he's got to take care of and all this stuff. And I, I don't mean to be a simp for Braxton cause I'm not <laughs> by any means. Um, some of the stuff that he says is ridiculous too, but to give everybody the opportunity to put their name on a ballot, to run a campaign, to govern the city at a, with a salary that they could at least, you know, what, what were they raising it, it to from 19000 to like 26000 a year or something like uh, that? It was, uh, I think if it's on par with the county, it's somewhere around like 30 yeah, something, so, but it's not, 
it's not I yeah mean, you're still ridiculous. you're still in poverty but i mean you right. get if like that's all you do yeah you're, yeah you, know. you get it you get a better go at it and i don't think there's anything wrong with giving people more money absolutely not uh, especially if the city is going to continue to grow and you have more money to put toward it anyway i just yeah and it's not it's a drop in the in the budget yeah bucket bucket the yeah, budget, budget bucket, bucket. <laughs> i like that <laughs> the budget um just just a little raindrop i mean yeah. I, so first you, you get what you pay for and so if you want good elected officials you might want to compensate them in a way that is somewhat relevant to what other others are making. I mean, here's the thing to think about too. You really could not do this job if you already have a nine to five job that you're barely holding on to in the first place. You have committee meetings that happen at random hours throughout the day. You've got constituents who are trying to get a hold of you at all times. Things that just happen out of nowhere that you have to go attend ribbon cuttings and all, all kinds right. of stuff like that. You know, does the city want to afford the opportunity to some people who might be fantastic representatives to do this job, but they can't afford to because they have a nine to five that takes care of their family right now? I don't even know if this new salary gets them to the point of saying that I could become a full-time city council person because you're basically already full-time. Mm -hmm. uh, you're just not paid like it, but it starts to move in that direction somewhat. Yeah. And that was another thing that Tariq said. He was like, people are going to try and make a career out of this. And it's like, you know that these are elected officials, right? right. Like, you don't get to choose. Like, oh, I'm going to do this for like 30 years and then retire. Like, that's if right. you get reelected. <laughs> yeah. right. right. No, it's it's silly to think that uh, that someone is is should be expected just because it's a public service to do it for nothing. Well, it's not like, you know, uh, you know, being elected to Congress and you're making some really nice salary that mm -hmm. I dream of. I mean, mm -hmm. you're you're talking about something that's probably barely livable mm -hmm. if you're living with inside the city of Charlotte. Yeah. You guys want to talk about cop salaries? Sure, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I just got a records request for those the other day. I'm not. I'm not even kidding. Man. Break it out, man. <laughs> I see. Some of the, anybody lieutenant and higher, they get paid no. great. But I think about that anytime I file a records request for salaries. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. They, oh man, they get uh, all of them. They all just get paid so much money. A slowly. Damn, they're taking forever on this other request I got out. Well, it's been two weeks, but usually, <laughs> David usually said he'll, one, he'll see the like department that. for us. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, what are we done? Yeah, we hit on a, right. we hit on a ton of stuff here. I feel more informed for it, but I really appreciate oh, well, you coming you. on and chatting with us, man. You are doing amazing work. WBTV is doing amazing work just as a team. I'd want to stick that last little plug in there. Thank you. Yeah, now I don't have to do it and you know yeah. feel a little guilty. So, man, imagine it's, if WBTV were print partners with Queen City Nerve instead of the Charlotte Observer. Yeah, um, I can't comment on these things. We're not we're not in debt yet. Listen, Morgan's <laughs> not going to be happy to hear you say that. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. That was that was. That, I don't know why I said that. Because uh, yeah, <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, at Hodges reporting on Twitter. Is yeah, that it? That sounds right. Okay, so yes, follow David at, right. at yes, Hodges that is, reporting. That is, that is yes, it. Sure. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, I have to. I more. have a. I have a confession. Mm -hmm. You remember earlier when I said that schools are retired or required to have a Title IX oh, counselor? Yeah. So I hadn't read the whole thing yet. <laughs> mm. They're required to have a Title IX coordinator. Oh, that's a yeah, um, yeah. That's, that's but that's not a counselor. No, that's a person no. who makes sure that they're in line with all the Title that's IX. That's what I was making. But he, that person is supposed to be in charge of in, making sure that the things get investigated fully. Oh, okay. Right. Then yes. So, so now that we're talking, and I know we just said we're going to sign off, but I'm going to do a quick plug good, to my lovely um, fiance, who is a, a therapist and okay. actually used to work kind of somewhat with um, the school district and uh, through Atrium, essentially. And so she saw kids in middle and elementary school who were dealing with issues like this. And the 
the amount of stuff that's on their plate is pretty unbelievable. If you want to talk about something that would be really helpful to kids across this entire school district, across the entire country, it's to get counselors in schools that they can talk to. That's what helps find these things out. That's what helps prevent these things. And that's what helps these kids really achieve long-term success. So yay, my awesome. health. Nice. I'm with It'll it. be our next podcast. Yes, bring her like on. 10 times better than two weeks. Probably way more entertaining. <laughs> we'll do it two weeks from now. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much, David. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks. Cheers. We'll see you.